What's going on? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Successes Within Reach podcast, season three, episode 15. Strategize, execute, win, and repeat. I'm going to give that to you one more time. This um, topic for today is strategize, execute, win, and repeat. I'm joined by my brother, Mr. Corey Segu. What's going on, sir? Oh, man, we all good on this side. Uh, man, enjoying a little rain that's happening in Houston. It's been dry as I don't know what. I never thought the day would come that I'd be like, man, I hope it rained. <laughs> hey, it's always, you know, a curveball with, the, you know, the world that we're living in today, man. You never know. That's when you know you're getting old, uh, too, when you start praying for rain and stuff. <laughs> Before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you, you can always join in the conversation live and submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. One more time, you can join in the conversation live and submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. All right, let's jump into it. So today, um, I pick strategize, execute, win, and repeat because, you know, when Corey and I get together, we answer the questions that you all send us um, in our SIWR community. And I've been getting a lot of questions here recently from a lot of our entrepreneurs in our community. So I said, I'm going to just take a show and we'll just keep it strictly business and answer a lot of questions to help you all get your businesses, you know, either afloat, get them launched, um, get them reintroduced to the public or what have you. Um, so today, that's what a lot of our questions from our SIWR community are going to be geared uh, towards. Uh, so the first one is from Carlos. Carlos says, I'm about to open my new barbershop in early September. I have my staff, my chairs, my equipment and paperwork all in order. What tips do you have for me to have a successful launch and opening weekend? Oh, man. So I think. Um... You know, it's funny. It's funny because you and I had that idea, <laughs> the, the bourbon, and I ain't going to say the other thing because y'all going to steal it. But um, no, so I think any successful launch, and this is outside of a, um, what I'll say, a, a, a barbershop, it could be a food truck, whatever. It's like, what are you bringing to, what are you bringing to the table kind of as far as like the group, what kind of hype are you building around your launch? Uh, what type of community have you built for people to say, hey, this is the person that I'm going to go to? Uh, basically, how have you marketed yourself when you when you launch something, right? So when people do a soft launch, y'all see it on TV a lot of times. They'll be like, we're, we're going to do this soft launch or whatever, or this is going to be the day that, that now we're, you know, we're officially opening up. And uh, I always think about like Gordon Ramsay. He'll like pack the, what he calls it, a stress test, right? You don't have to stress test yourself. But basically, he's saying, "Okay, I want all these people to come in that will sing the praises, that will handle the, you know, handle the. Uh, can you handle the volume that's about to come in? Basically, so I want him to have a couple things in place. Again, first, the community that's going to come forth. 
I want him to, talk, to think about what people are coming in there. What is your process for when people do come in? Because I've been in barbershops. We've all, we probably both been in barbershops that it's like, oh, man, you should just come through at 1030 and it's 1245 and I'm still waiting to get my hair cut. Mm-hmm. What is the what is the thing that you have in place to keep you on track? To is there anything that's gonna uh, entertain your clients on the inside? Uh, what's gonna keep them from from just going to a different barber? What's the atmosphere that you want them to have inside once they get in? And I think that's the best place to start. But you gotta you have to remember that you actually need people to pile into the building first when you launch that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a couple of different things uh, here, Carlos. To have a successful opening weekend, uh, first things first is you have to figure out what a success look like to you. Um, you know, Corey and I both could give you a lot of different ideas and strategies from a consulting standpoint, but you have to figure out what a successful look like to you. Um, is successful having a packed barbershop from seven in the morning to seven at night? That is success for you making everybody, you know, that's cutting hair made $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. success, you know, having people still banging on the doors even after you, you know, close, put the close sign on the window. So you have to figure out what success, uh, what it looks like for you first and start there. Uh, From a business standpoint, you know, like Corey said, you want to focus on the community because of a barbershop is truly a, it's, it's kind of twofold. It's a uh, double threat, so to say. You have a product and you have a service. So your community in which you serve is going to play a huge part. You know, the businesses that are around your barbershop, have you networked with those business owners? Hey, uh, we're new in town. We're about to launch on such and such Saturday or Friday or whatever day it is. Um, you know, all of your customers that come through, you know, do you mind giving them this flyer or this business card or whatever? Tell them come through and get a cut. If they buy a sandwich over here or if they get their clothes clean here, we give them $5 off of their first cut, whatever the case may be. Have you networked with the businesses that are around you? Um, you know, in today's age, we live in a world of technology. Have you, you know, partnered with the app service to allow people to book online? Like Corey said, the days are gone where you just come into the barbershop, pull a ticket off the wall, and you just sit around and wait. Time is money. And and unfortunately, people don't have long attention spans anymore. So we're not just sitting in the barbershop two, three, four hours anymore. You know, nowadays, a lot of people, um, especially like my barbershop, you have to book your appointment through the app. And you're expected to be there at a particular time. If you're late, guess what? You get charged for that for that late fee or that no, no call, no show fee. And they move on to the next head to cut. You know, so have you integrated any type of technology? Um, have you used social media to help get the word out? You know, that's the quickest way to to get the word out um, without going through the traditional, you know, getting an ad on the radio and all of that good stuff. Um, have you hit up some of the schools in the area? You know, a lot of people are going back to school right now. That's really big for a lot of barbershops. You know, go to the local school, say, hey, tell, you know, let the parents know, tell it, bring the kids through here, get a back to school cut. We'll get a fresh for first weeks, you know, or first month back at school, whatever. You know, you have a lot of different avenues. But for a business that is so, like I said, twofold, your community and how you network with those around you is going to be so, so, so essential for you having a successful barbershop. It's not going to just happen because you think you give the dopest lineup or one of your barbers is is the nicest in town with a razor blade. 
you have to network, you have to build clientele, you have to build trust. Um, a big part um, as well in getting people to come back is are you creating an experience? You know, those that follow the podcast, you hear us talk about it all the time. It's not just about providing a service or a product. It's about creating an experience for your client or your customer. That's what gets people. That's what turns customers into return clients. You want people to make, be like, man, that barbershop that I went to the other day, they had, you know, they may have offered everybody a bottle of water when they came in or everybody spoke when I came in. Simple, something just as simple as everybody speaking when you come in can make a huge difference. I've gone into barbershops. Nobody said anything. And you just sit there for a minute till somebody finally look up and be like, hey, who you here for? That's, that's completely garbage. You know, so, you know, making sure all of your people are speaking to clients that are coming in. Uh, like I said, if you have it, holler at them and, you know, and say, hey, would you like a bottle of water? You, you know, we got sodas, whatever the case may be. Making sure that somebody is cleaning the floor on a consistent basis. I, I, I myself have OCD and I cannot stand being in a barbershop and there's hair everywhere. It's unsanitary. It get all over your shoes. It's, it's just disgusting, bro. So, you know, like I said, simple things like that, making sure you're thanking your people, shaking their hand, dapping them up, whatever the case may be before they head out, making sure that, you know, you get them to rebook before they leave. Something as simple as that, um, you know, can create a return customer. Hey, you know, I appreciate you coming through for our opening weekend. Can I go ahead and get you on the books now to come back next Saturday or Saturday after next, whatever the case may be? Uh, we're running a special for all first time repeat customers where, you know, you can get 10 percent off the next one or the next time you can get a hair wash with your cut as well. Whatever the case may be, you have a lot of different options with a barbershop because they can provide so many different services outside of just a haircut. You know, do you have somebody that's coming in doing manicures? A lot of fellas don't take care of their nails. You can add that to your services and make it a, a pr premium service where you can get your hair washed. You can get your, your nails clipped and trimmed, whatever the case may be. Do you have somebody in there that's doing skincare for the fellas? A lot of guys get razor bumps. Do you have somebody that's doing the, the hot towels and the steam and, and, you know, and then giving them a facial? A lot of different things you can do. So think about a lot of those different avenues that you have. Um, if you haven't already and add that to your repertoire, as well as, like I said, networking with your community and all of those things together, no doubt you'll have a, a successful opening weekend and a successful business overall. But also remember, you're in a very competitive space, so you got to give it time as well. You have to have time to get your name out there. You have to have time to build those community partnerships and relationships. And then you have to have time for word of mouth, which is going to be essential in a business like a barbershop. Yeah. And let me just chime in because I, I, I want to give them a little line up after this. Uh, so you've gotten all that, right? So you got the the experiences, all that other stuff. I will preach something that you just said, uh, Shannon, was understand your customers because like for me, I'm very interactive. I'm going to talk to you. Like my, I talk my barber head off, man, how's it going? He likes the Texans. He likes the Rockets, all that stuff. And I always jab at him because I'm like, both of them suck. Um, so what they gonna do? I walk in the chat and I'm like, man, what the Texans gonna do, right? And he will meet me where I am, but then I watch him, and another customer will come in and they're cutting his hair, and they might be dead silent, and he'll be dead silent with them, you know. Now, mm -hmm. on the flip side, you also have to, to understand where people are. There's sometimes where I come in and I'm dead silent, he won't say a thing, he'll cut me up, and I'll mm -hmm. get up out of there. Um, so 
the extra I want to give you is the what is your model for for basically your business model for for cutting hair? Is it volume? Is it going to be, hey, I'm going to charge 20 to 25 a head and I'm going to get as many people in the seat as I can? Or is it I'm going to give you this big elaborate experience? It's going to be $100 a head. And but when you leave here, it's going to feel like, you, you know, a celebrity barber just cut your hair or something like that. Um, what mm-hmm. is that model that you're going after? Because what I do see is a lot of barbers say, I don't understand my pricing. I guess I'll just price it because this is what other barbers do. Um, where are my clients going? Because I'm not going to lie to you. If if you charge me $100 and I'm waiting for hours for you to cut my hair. Uh, yeah, I'm not about to do that. Um, it better be on time. But if you charge me 20, I might give you some leeway because I understand that your model is that you have volume coming in. So I want you to start to think mm-hmm. about that too when you when you say, okay, who am I serving? How am I going to serve them? And and what's the what's the model that I'm gonna go about doing this? And and you know, you just said something so important, like pricing, like uh what is it, Carlos? Please, please, please take your time and make sure that y'all get it right with this pricing, you know. Um People that are celebrity barbers, they can charge a certain amount. People that have, you know, prime real estate in Miami or New York or D.C. or L.A., they can charge certain prices. Um, like Corey said, when you have premium services, uh, like I, I know a barbershop, guys come in, they get a glass of cognac and, and a cigar and everything, and they chill in a whole men's lounge area while they wait on their barber. Charge based on what it is you provide, not what you see everybody else um, charging. Uh, because that's a quick way to have people be, become one-time customers. And that's not what you want in a business like that. All right. Next up, we have Elias. All right. First of all, let me say shout out to, to Elias, man. This is one of our listeners that's actually from overseas. Um, man gets up. Every time we do a podcast, he's listening after it's launched and he's overseas. And he hits me up to let me know that he tuned in on Spotify. Uh, he sends in messages to our, to our Facebook community. So shout out to Elias, man. Uh, he says, I'm in the process of rebranding my courier company as I had to temporarily close in the height of the pandemic. And now I have the money and the staff to reopen. What areas should I focus on to rebrand my business and get it back out there to the public bigger and better? Oh, so we, so he closed down during the pandemic courier business. Yeah. What I'm hearing. So. Yeah, he's in one of the countries that they they won't plan like they shut down everything. Yeah. Everybody had to stay inside. I got you, cause so I cause what I was gonna say was what a perfect time, but I know you just said he was overseas. I was like, what a perfect time to overdo or outdo the USPS. I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> but my 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 thing would be right now is I'm assuming that even in his area, wherever he's from, in in his area they probably have similar issues right i don't think usps is Mm -hmm. is exclusive to being slow at what they do so i'm thinking about Mm -hmm. the branding as far as like people want their things on time think about amazon if i don't get stuff in two days i'm like man where's my package Mm -hmm. i mean honestly what what first world problem do i have when i'm like dang i didn't get that thing that i really didn't need in two days so think about that. Are you gonna? Are you, do you want to rebrand yourself as the go-to person that that's gonna deliver on time? When even when I think about UPS, um, take success from from past endeavors, right? When I think about UPS, they started talking about like oh the uh, one day delivery, two day delivery, right? And at the time, that was groundbreaking. So what is the thing mm-hmm. that you can feel? What niche can you feel in a certain field to say okay? 
my customers are having this issue uh you know getting things delivered and whatnot my customers are having you know whatever problem maybe i'm getting broken boxes or whatever and then play to that you know we know that certain places that deliver our goods it's probably going to be broken but maybe you can start branding yourself as like hey you know <laughs> we take care of your stuff and then whenever you speak to somebody you know everything that you talk about is the care is the love for your package and making sure it gets there to you and you know even we talked about with the uh with the barber right creating an experience we see videos all the time online where those delivery people are getting the snacks or whatever and then all of a sudden they're like oh hey i just want to i just hope you're having a good day or whatever i saw a video where a guy was like hey i saw you ordering a lot of baby stuff you know hope everything's good i'm a new dad too i'm not but i'm a new dad too uh i just had to throw it out there because it made my knees hot um i ain't ready for that but you know i'm a new i'm a new father you know i'm taking care of my kid if there's anything you need let me know you know and start to brand your company around that right and so take mm-hmm. take what they have done in the past and figure out okay what are what are the clients right now not getting i can feel that for them and they're gonna come because we all need stuff we like we all need stuff to us yeah um so elias first thing i would say um again appreciate uh you know the, the responses and the messages that you sent in and to the people over there in the uk that are tuning in um i would say st- think about um again like Cora was saying with ups ups created a slogan that was so genius because people i don't think a lot of people really caught on to what they were doing when they went with the what can brown do for you it was a quick simple easy slogan to remember but it also let people know we're not in the courier business we're in the problem solving business and so many times when people are in a service-based business they get wrapped up in a million and one different things and forget all about the goal of a service-based business is to problem solve there's a million other companies that do what i do but I'm letting you know these are the specific problems that I solve and why I'm the better option than anyone else. So, and you having a courier service, I, I wish you would have told us exactly which type of courier. Um, you know, some people have bicycle couriers like in New York City uh, that do the day-to-day quick, you know, under an hour packages. You know, some people have the overseas couriers that I actually get on a plane and fly your package over. Um, I wish I knew exactly which type of business you had. Um, but whatever it is, whatever your method of, or model of transportation is, I should say, focus your problem solving around that. You know, we get your packages shipped overseas by, you know, someone who's going to have it as a carry on, take care of it. It's not going to go through baggage claim where, you know, X uh, airline company is kicking your packages or throwing them off the conveyor belt whatever whatever we make sure that your items get there safely they get there efficiently and more importantly they get there on time Um, if everything is in town and you're doing like the day-to-day courier services we can get it there quicker because in addition to cars and trucks we also have bicycle couriers moped couriers whatever the case may be Um, so look at what problem is it that you're solving for your clients and try to center your rebranding around that as well um you were uh, you know caught up in like a lot of us in the world in the height of the pandemic where everything was shut down 
Um, and now you're having to rebrand, reopen, reintroduce yourself to everyone. So use that. What have you done as a result of the pandemic that has ensured the safety and the cleanliness of the packages that you're going to deliver? What have you done in terms of cleanliness and safety to make sure that your couriers are not going to be, you know, spreading germs or viruses or whatever to the people that they're delivering to? Do you have, um, you know, new uh, cleaning devices in the office where you're steaming and sanitizing everything? Are you using UV lighting to disinfect um, and, and kill germs in, in different ways on packages? You know, use what happened to you to help bolster your re your rebranding, your reopening to the public. A lot of people closed down or temporarily shifted their method of operations due to the pandemic and they didn't change a damn thing. Didn't change not one thing whatsoever. People were wearing gloves and masks for a minute, but operationally they didn't change absolutely anything. So use that to your advantage. Like I said, what new cleaning methods do you have now? What new uh, health, you know, um measures do you have in place for your staff whatever it is that sets you apart from everyone else we understand that you aren't as big as a ups or a fedex right now but in the space that you're in whether it's the small couriers or even the medium-sized courier companies what sets you apart so think about the pandemic think about health related issues Think about what sets you apart as far as the actual handling of the packages and the delivery of the packages and what sets you apart from in terms of customer service. And then use those things to rebrand yourself. You don't have to necessarily come up with a new logo and new slogans and all of that type of stuff. Some people go way too far with rebranding and then your, your customer base is confused because they're like, OK, is this a completely new company or just have you altered a little bit? Billion dollar companies can can change all of that stuff all the time with no problem because they built that that trust and loyalty and relationship with their customer base. For small businesses, it's a little bit harder to do that. So just start small. Yeah, and and then so one thing you you said that I wanted to add to that is, uh, man, show your work. Like we live in a we live in a age of social media where we can show all the work that we do. So show them like maybe disinfecting how your package is going to your thing. Show them how you clean whatever transportation vehicle you use. Uh, it made me think about an individual that I worked with and he um, he had cowboy boots being made. And so he wanted to he wanted to grow his brand. He wanted to figure out how do I get more people to get bought into my mission and stuff? Because yeah, every time somebody buys boots, they're like, man, the quality is phenomenal. Now he was getting the boots from Mexico and they were being they were being made in Mexico, shipped and transported to the United States. They clear everything and then get get out to the customers. Right. I was like, dude, you should show all of that. What does that look like back in Mexico? And it was a great process. What does it look like back in Mexico? Because it's like, man, I, I almost bought a pair. I didn't buy a pair, but I almost bought a pair because I'm like, man, it's like heritage. Like I'm looking at like this like the literal the sweat that's going into this like he would talk about how he's mm -hmm. like feeding families back home in mexico because of this and whatnot and i was like man the story behind it make me want to buy a pair you know so i know the people that are buying it have a piece of almost kind of like tradition coming to them and i was like dude show show that show that show the process on it coming to the united states you know all of that mm -hmm. and 
I guarantee you, going back to the courier business, though, I guarantee you when you start showing that, it'll only take one person to run across and say, hey, look, we all know the pox. I'm not going to say the name, but the pox is, is coming along right now. But maybe somebody saying, I don't know who I'm going to use to ship this package to Granny. I just don't want her to get exposed mm-hmm. to some stuff, right? I, she got autoimmune disease or something. I don't know who it is. And then they run across it, and they're like, man. I saw a video where they they do a UV lighting around the box, like you know they disinfect it. Out. This is the, the measures that they use, man. You, and your customers start flowing in from that, man. I, I think showing showing your work will will get you customers and kind of back that branding up behind what you do. Most definitely, you know, and and create some highlight reels from that, but then also create an actual ad from that. Um, you know, that that's such a dope idea Corey just gave you, you know, recording from the time that the customer gives you the package, disinfecting, sanitizing the package, and then have your people actually record their trip from the office to dropping it off to the destination. Or actually, it would be so dope if somebody actually recorded the whole flight process. You got all kind of content you can use from that for social media. And then, like I said, actually creating a 30, 45 second ad um you know that you can use for that so yeah that, that's a super dope idea all right so this next one is from andrea she says i've tried to get into the newer way of advertising but none of my ads are bringing in new customers i've tried facebook and instagram ads TikTok ads and even spotify ads but nothing seems to work please help sos <laughs> well do we have the guy for you Oh man, yeah. I, I wish Mike was on here right now. Right. He could definitely take over that one. <laughs> so a couple things though, just in and you know that 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 realm, that's that's all Mike on that. So definitely, definitely Mike Williams. Um, you know, definitely get at him for it every Wednesday. Um, if you gonna run into one of his videos uh, about wealth building. And um the one thing I would say is a lot of times ads don't work is because either the video doesn't catch my attention or the copy doesn't catch my attention because when you're going through it i'm just giving you something very general right now um because i would need to kind of dive into like what is performing how and where and where and whatnot but one of those two things aren't working for you so is it that what you're presenting to me and i run across this video and i'm like eh keep scrolling or is it the copy that's not working and when i go to read it i'm like well what do you do because i've definitely read those mm-hmm. and it, you know in your video you're telling me hey do you want to take your business to six figures but on the copy it's like have you ever sold flowers before and i'm like wait what mm-hmm. it, it, yeah it's that's about without without knowing too much about it shannon I, that's those are the two tip things i would tackle but i would definitely say get get with mike because um he's on another level when it comes to the ads no doubt um andrea if so if you go to our facebook community um and check out our um siwr page you'll see some quite a few episodes back where i had mike on um he's talking about uh facebook ads we did a whole episode just on facebook ads you'll get some really great content um and some probably answers to a lot of your questions there uh but also his information is in that episode if you click on it you'll see um, for his breakthrough ads academy, like Corey said, this is completely his wheelhouse. Um, dude has a whole system in place to help you get your Facebook ads down to a T and start bringing in people and stop wasting money. Like it's it's an actual science to this thing. 
Uh, so many people just throw money away, just clicking on buttons as <laughs> they think Facebook is walking them through the system. Um, but you you really got to know what you're doing to to niche it down. Um, but if you're saying that you you've tried Facebook and Instagram and, and TikTok and Spotify and nothing seems to work, first thing I would say is probably your messaging is all wrong for the type of business that you have. Second thing I would probably say is wrong is your targeting is completely off. Um, you don't want to just click all adults in the United States or everybody over 21 in Canada. Like you, you really have to get this thing targeted and get it niched down. You know, you want to be in a space where you can say all men or all women, 21 to 45 in you know the united states or in virginia dc texas california new york that follow 10 or 15 different pages yeah. or 10 or 15 different categories you know you really want to have a specific um now i know a little bit about the whole spotify game and if you want you can message me and i can help you out because you don't a lot of people mess up just type up their paragraph and they send it to Spotify and then make their payment and let them take care of the rest. It, it, that's not going to work because they're going to get a random person to read exactly what you type. And you never know who's listening to Spotify that's going to hear your ad. So it's, it's a lot in the same way as with your social media ads. You really want to have someone help you learn how to target and niche it down to make sure that the proper people are listening to um, your ads. If your business is only in, say, Washington, D.C. Um, and New York, there's no reason why people in Guatemala and Russia are getting your ads on Spotify. But if you just leave it completely open, they just send it out in, in various you know batches and you never know who's going to hear it. Or if you have a women's clothing company. There's no reason why males between 13 and 18 are getting your stuff, why they're listening to video game podcasts on Spotify. So you really want to make sure that you have all of your categories and your targets set properly. Um, and with TikTok, my question will, would first be how good are your videos? Like your copy really doesn't matter on TikTok because it's all video based. So how engaging and entertaining are your ads? Um, can are you grabbing people's attention within the first three seconds? And I, I hate to say three seconds, that sounds super quick, but TikTok is a, a swiping app. <laughs> like people aren't sitting there, read, they're not going to read at the bottom. They're not going to wait for well, 30 seconds to see what it is you have to offer. You got three to five seconds to catch them on, on TikTok before they just go ahead and swipe to the next video. Um, so definitely, I would say, you know, for Facebook and Instagram ads, uh, like I said, go back and contact Mike Williams um, or you can reach out. Uh, the website is uh, uh for his Breakthrough Ads Academy, and he can get you squared away with that. Um, send me a, a message and I can help you with the Spotify ads. And then with TikTok, I mean, like I said, it's just a matter of making sure that your videos are engaging. Um, and then, you know, there's several different sources you can go to to find the proper hashtags and everything. But you just need to have a really strong message and engaging video that catches people within the first three to five seconds, delivers the message and what it is that you offer within the first 10 seconds. 
And then after that, you fit in strong, letting them know where they can find you, um, you know, and where you're located. And that's pretty much it when it comes to the TikTok part of it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to our first break. Man, oh, man, we got a lot going on here today trying to help everybody with their business. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This first break is brought to you by my company, the CEO within you. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Once again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season three, episode 15, strategize, execute, win, and repeat. I'm joined here by my brother, Mr. Corey Segura, as we help out these entrepreneurs with their businesses today. All right. Next up, we have Ashar. I hope I'm saying this right. Um, he says, I recently opened my third car wash, and to my surprise, it's outperforming the previous two. Should I close them and put all my efforts into this location or should I assign someone to manage those while I focus on the cash cow? Um, so I'm going to start uh, with this one and I'm going to say, first off, Ashar, don't be magnetized to the bright, shiny object. Um, a lot of people in business, especially those that get into franchising and, and opening up multiple locations, they go crazy when one opens up with a bang and they completely disengage from the previous locations. And then next thing you know, six months later, all of them are out of business. If you already had two uh, car washes and they've been performing just fine, you open up a new one and whether it's the location, it's next to a restaurant, um, it has you know a better intersection traffic, whatever the case may be that it's outperforming the other two, you don't just say, okay, this one is making 50000 a month. The other two are making 10000 a month, so I'm going to close those. You keep all three open. So let's let's just start there. You do not. You do not. <laughs> Make sure I say that again. You do not close the other two just because this one is making a lot more money and it just started. What you do is you sit down and you start doing the math on them. What's working at this location that's not working at the others? What is it that is bringing people into this location that I could possibly add to the others? What is it about this area, you know, or, or my neighbors that's helping bring traffic to my car wash that I need to be having those conversations with my neighbors and the people in the area at the other spots? Um, is it that this one, you have more space so you can add more bays? Is it that this one you have more space, so you have more vacuum and, and uh, carpet shampoo stalls versus the other one just has one? There's a secret sauce to each location, but that doesn't mean that you just up and say, hey, this one is making me a whole lot of money and I'm just going to shut the others down. Because obviously the other two are making you some type of money for the fact that you had them open for this long. Uh, that's just like you have people that can own multiple, say you can have three or four McDonald's within a, you know, a 30 minute radius of each other. One of them might be 
inside of a mall, of course, it's going to make more money than the others. But that doesn't mean you just shut down the other ones, you know. So definitely don't just up and say, hey, I'm going to close these down. Start looking at what's working at this new location that's bringing so many people in and then figure out how you can integrate some of those uh, dynamic things into the others and see if it works in those locations as well. It could be that people in those other locations, they just want a basic wash. They don't care about full service waxing. They don't care about window tinting. They don't care about carpet shampooing. They don't care about detailing. If they just want a basic wash and you getting 200 cars a day, leave those people alone and let them get their basic wash. That's steady income coming in. Your business is profitable. You do not mess with a profitable business. For the newer ones, um, you know, you want to find out what it is, start talking to the customers as they're leaving, figure out why they came and why they continue to come and make sure that you keep that going. But your businesses don't have to make the same amount of money for you to be successful, so to say. As long as they're profitable, you keep them all going and you just continue to expand from there. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, one of the things I want you to think about, too, is what is the end goal that you have for these car washes? Is it to continue to just run them for the rest of your life? Or I should say, really, you should hire some people to manage it at a certain point. That way you can take yourself out of the job. I, sh I should say the job of entrepreneurship. That's a different discussion for a mm -hmm. different day. Um, but what's the end goal for it? Is it to get bought out at a certain point? Because guess what? Congratulations to you. You have three profitable businesses because I'm I'm going to assume that you just didn't dump money into two other ones after one is just sucking you dry. One, I'm going to assume you use that money, put it back into the second one, use that money, put it back into the third one. Uh, so congrats to you. But what it what's the goal? You know, are you going to get approached by Mr. Car Wash one day or whatever car wash? And they're going to and you're going to say, hey, I own 17 of these. My business is valued at this. And they say, well, I want to buy you out because I because you already have the locations that I want. Man, don't, mm -hmm. don't, don't hose yourself and be like, man, I shut all these other down because the other ones weren't making as much money. And I was making $5,000 a month profit on this one, but this one was doing 30,000 a month or whatever, you know, to your point, Shannon, it's like, just don't, don't look at one and then, and then get rid of the other, you know? Um, so I think I want you to think about your end goal too. And then the, the other point to, to what you were saying is think about what that customer base wants. If they want that basic car wash, maybe the thing that keeps bringing them back is a really cool, quick, efficient experience. They get the basic car wash they're out of that thing. So, again, you can go back to thinking, should I just do volume? How do I get more people to come in and get that quick, efficient car wash? On the other one, are they paying for the, the carnauba wax with the hand, you know, the, the, the wax on, wax on, you know, manual boy coming through maybe that's what you got to focus on that one and you're going to get the you're going to get the most profit per person in that uh you know in that particular side of, side of town but i would definitely start to think about those three uh, in addition to what shannon said because man you what you don't want to do is wake up one day and somebody approaches you and say hey man i see you had these car washes and then you're like shoot i just sold two or three other ones and they're like man i I got 17 mil for you right now. And you're like, Ooh, I only got one now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't get magnetized by the shiny new objects. You know, you, you may open another 10 car washes and, and like we're telling you, you may have one that is just absolutely killing it. Well, guess what? You beside a college campus and a mall, 
of course they're bringing in more give people what they want yep. if you got a location that's in a residential area and all they want is a basic car wash give them that basic car wash if people want the full service where people are putting hands on it and detailing it give it to them don't offer people what it is that they're not asking for yep. that makes people leave and then a, a another lot of people make that mistake one other piece i just want to add to this though shannon is start to think about your car wash in an almost kind of sense so when i speak um i may go to different locations right so i may say i'm gonna speak to a school this time because i'm gonna speak to their team here their teachers i'm gonna speak to this business here and with their team i might speak to this um to this really small business here that has a really small team or whatever maybe they do something different those are different types of revenues that I'm looking at coming in. And I'm not going to say, hey, because the big corporate guy gave me $50,000, I'm no longer going to speak to these people over here that are only going to pay me $1,500, right? So it, it it's like I'm not just going to solely focus on that and say unless I have enough of them that I'm just booked back to back to back and they all paying me $50,000 plus and I'm like, oh, all right, well, it doesn't make sense for me to do that anymore. Uh, I think in this particular case, you should start looking at your revenue model and saying, okay, this is the this is the quick and efficient. This is the one that I'm making the most per person. This is the one that I'm kind of making it in between. This is the one that actually costs the least to run, but I'm generating X amount of money. I think there's a way to dive into your numbers to actually tell you really what, what the most profitable one is. Because sometimes people look at different things and say, I make the most money from this. But in reality, you don't make the most money. It costs more to run it, but it just looks mm -hmm. like you make the most money. Excellent point. Excellent point. All right. So this next one, uh, I, I had to read it a couple of times when I first looked at it, but I, I've known people in my career that are like this. So really want to help her out. So Rebecca says, this is my first time owning my own business and I've never had to hand out discipline before. She says, I don't like conflict. I never have, but I have one employee that is constantly late and another one that does a lot of personal tasks on company time. I know I have to do something because everyone is looking at me as the boss, but I don't want to start out with firing them. What should I do? Oh, so here's what I will start out there. What is your corrective action model? what are the steps right um even in the even in the the, the description of, of the podcast today shannon talked about sops what is your sop on corrective action i don't think you necessarily have to go to firing right i for anybody who i have had to fire from a position that i've been in we went through steps it's a it could be something as simple as and and i've seen both sides i've seen fire on site and then i've seen we had a conversation we had this documented, you know, uh, thing that came to you. We had our second piece of documentation that came to you that you had to sign. All right, cool. Now you got to go. I've seen another mm -hmm. one where it's like, hey, we have a we have a conversation and then now I fire you. You know, there's mm -hmm. a bunch of different ways that you can go about your corrective action process. Uh, I personally, I like to at least allow people to get their stuff together, because guess what? A lot of people don't like conflict. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But anytime you go to fire somebody, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to zen. And I want you to realize that that's not your fault. Whatever mm -hmm. they did, they did it to themselves. See, a lot of people that, oh, man, 
I hate to fire you because you're always late. I don't hate to fire you because guess what? I needed you here on time and you weren't here on time. I needed you to do these particular tasks and you're not doing them. The person who consistently does their own stuff while on the clock, think they're technically stealing money from you. And I get it. We're people. Yes. There's things that we do during the day that we need to take care of. There's families that we have. There's different obligations that we have and whatnot. But if you do it so much, hey, you're kind of stealing time from me right now. You're stealing money from out of my pocket right now. So don't feel bad when you have to make those confrontations. So here's the final part, and I'm going to uh, shoot it to you, though, Shannon. When you go through those steps, just understand that you're actually saving your business because other people are looking at you saying, well, why do I have to follow the rules if they don't? And then all of a sudden you create a culture issue and no one wants to actually do the job or follow the rules or be compliant with the things that need to happen. You start losing talent because of that, because they're like, well, I can if you can do whatever you want in this job and not get in trouble for it, then I'm not going to do it either. And now you have a real big problem on your hands. Most definitely. Uh, Rebecca, you know, I I have to think that part of the reason why these two are doing what they want to do is because they realize you don't like conflict. And um, just from the tone of, of what you submitted, it seems like you come off a little timid. Um, you have to understand you didn't say that this is your first time being a supervisor or this is your first time working for a company. You said this is my first time owning a business. You own the business. So you are the captain of the ship. You owe it to yourself for all the blood, sweat, tears, and money that you put into creating your company to make sure that it is running efficiently and having staff that care about what it is that they apply it to do. It's not a matter of feelings. It's not a matter of emotions. It's not a matter of looking like the, a, a good guy or a bad guy. You're hired to do a job. I didn't ask you to come here and work for my company. You apply it to come and work for my company. Therefore, I expect you to do the job you're hired to do. If you have someone who is doing their own stuff on company time, you have to address that. Because like Corey said, technically it comes down to they're stealing from your company. If they are printing their own stuff off, that's that's paper and ink that you you have to pay for that's a, a xerox machine or whatever kind of copier that you pay for if if it's just a matter of them being on the computer doing their own stuff technically you pay for that electricity and that internet and you're you're paying them a salary expecting them to do one job and they're doing something different you have to address that um these things like Corey was just saying these things they seem small until they become a culture issue Everybody else in that office is watching them and watching you, but watching you more so than them. I know you just walked past their desk and saw them on Facebook or shopping on Macy's or Amazon or whatever. What are you going to do about it? Okay, this is like the second month in a row that you've just continued to walk past them and you're not going to say anything about it. But yet you come over here and tell me I got to get this report done by four o'clock. No, I'm about to go and see what what sale Macy's got as well. Since you didn't say nothing to such and such, if you get it at four, fine. If you get it tomorrow, fine, because you haven't said anything to them. You don't want to set that type of precedence. You, you do not want to set that because it is so hard to undo it once it's done. And you have to start looking at disciplinary measures as essentials 
as a part of your operations and not something that's creating conflict. There is no conflict. You own the company. <laughs> there is no conflict. This is what I need you to do. If you cannot do what it is you were hired to do, guess what? We, we no longer have a business relationship here. You have to hold people accountable. And it sounds like this has gone on quite some time where this one person feels like they can just come in whenever they want. Okay, look, this is the schedule you were hired to work. For the past, whatever, whatever, we can look at the camera and see that, you know, this is when you've come in or, you know, yourself, this is when you've been coming in. I need you to do better for the next 30 days. I'm going to be monitoring you coming in. If you cannot make it here by the time that you were hired to, you know, the schedule that you were hired to work, either A, you need to give me a valid reason so we can look at adjusting your schedule or either B, I'm going to have to let you go. And it's just as simple as that. You have that conversation, you review everything with them, you put it in black and white, you sign and date, they sign and date. I'm sorry, flip that. They sign and date first, then you sign and date behind them. They get a copy, you put a copy in their file, and that's it. There is no conflict there. With the other person, hey, look, and making rounds around the office, I see that you're shopping, you're playing video games, you're working on your, your YouTube channel and, and whatever else on company time. That has to stop as of right now. Not now, but as of right now. I'm paying you to do a job. I'm not paying you to work your side gig and build your social media platform and go shopping and work on your Girl Scout troop and all of this type stuff. You're here to do a job. I need you to do that job. If it continues, this is the recourse that, that you know, you're leaving me no option. Again, review it with them. If need be, if if you have one of those people, you can pull that history. If you own a company, you should have the IT, you know, protocols in place where you can pull their history just in case you have that one that wants to argue or, or just straight up lie about it. This is everything you've been on over the past couple of days. That has absolutely nothing to do with this company. That has absolutely nothing to do with the work and what you were hired for. Again, the offense, what you need done. The measures that you're going to be reviewing over the next 30, 45, 60 days, they sign a date, you sign a date. They get a copy, you put a copy in their file. And that's it. Like you, you cannot look at it as a conflict because you're doing what you have to do to operate your business. If not, you have a complete anarchy on your hands where the staff will be running the business and soon enough you'll be out of business. Like Corey said, the good talent that you have, they'll leave because they don't want to work in a place like that. And everybody else is just going to run your business into the ground. So you you have to step up, take charge and let them know it's your business. But not just that, you know, like you're, you're trying to flex on them that it's my business. You do what I say. It's we're all adults here and I expect you to do the job that you were hired to do. We're all going to be held accountable. We're all going to be professional. And if not, some changes have to happen. And it's just as simple as that. All right, let's see this next one. Uh, this is another one that was uh, kind of rough and I, I really had to think about it for a minute. Um, Angelica says, one of my strongest staff recently passed and it seems the morale and spirit of my staff 
left as well. She was the glue that held us all together and now things just aren't the same. She said, I've tried potlucks, um, I've tried different games. I even placed a her picture up in the office as a memorial, but the staff just seemed down and disconnected. How can I get their spirits back up as the morale, as the low morale is starting to affect performance? Ooh, so I heard a couple of things in here that kind of went uh, your traditional corporate route. Um, so I think some of the questions you have to ask yourself, and this is, I'm, I'm just be like super direct right here. What is a potluck going to do? Um, what is a photo hanging on the wall of the person that we all miss going to do? Um, what are the games that we're playing going to do? Um, here's mm -hmm. a question for you. Have you had honest conversations about what is going on now? How do y'all feel? How does that make y'all feel? Um, you know, she's no longer here with us. You know, how about we, how about you, you got to rally the troops and say, how about we start doing it for her, you know? And then create create a movement behind that and say, hey, look, this is what she would have wanted us to do. But I think there has to be some type of uh, deep conversation that needs to be had, uh, a gathering, so to speak, to see how people feel in this situation. Because what we always try to do is, and, and I don't know the extent of what you've done, but what we try to do is like, oh, my God, this is a sad moment or whatever. Here's some food and throw it at that. Y'all be happy now. Or like, oh, my God, how about we get together and we do like a like a team outing and and we'll go play laser tag or something like that. That doesn't mean my grief is gone. Um, mm -hmm. Have you hired any type of grief counseling for these people? Or did you send them back to work and just say, do it, do it for Jennifer? Like, I, I don't know what her name is. Like, just do it for – that doesn't make me change my mind that – I'm sad that she's gone and whatever happened to her, I don't know how she passed away, but, um, you know, those types of things, like what are you doing to kind of address the actual root issue of it all versus like kind of mm -hmm. putting that bandaid over it and saying, Oh, here's some food, get over it. Or like, here's some, and I'm, I'm obviously joking right now, but here's a picture on the wall. Remember her, do it for her. Okay. All right. Bye. I'll see y'all later. Um, you know, what are, what are you addressing the root of it all versus just saying, yeah, I just, um, team building for the win let's go and address the morale you know yeah um you know so in reading this it gives me the impression that you know you all are kind of a small team um for one person to affect the entire group uh like that so you know i think you have to start with some of the things that core is saying uh this is a very delicate situation and you're dealing with human grief and human emotion and when you're dealing with human grief and human emotion, you cannot um, respond to that with a corporate response. You know, uh, like Corey was just saying, it's so customary nowadays for people to just throw a potluck or, hey, we want to, you know, take an early Friday and, and go to putt-putt or laser tag or the trampoline park, whatever. Like, you're dealing with human emotions and grief here. so. I would say, you know, reach out to, you know, some companies. I know Anthem has a, a whole uh, like career training department where you can get, you know, counselors and trainers and, and consultants to come in and speak to your company. Um, get someone like Corey that does, you know, employee engagement uh, to come in and speak with your staff and, you know, like completely shut down everything, say for an afternoon. You know, if, if you can, I'm not sure exactly what type of business you have, but if you can, like, say, OK, we're, we're closing down at one o'clock and from one to four, we're just going to sit here 
with whoever it is that comes in and you guys can actually talk to them about how her passing is affecting us in the workplace, how it's affected her specific team, how it's affected those that she supervised, uh, why you feel that things just aren't the same anymore. And getting someone to professionally come in and help them, number one, it may help them to get out emotions that they don't feel comfortable sharing with you um, as, as the business owner. You know, I know a lot of times as CEOs, we, we love to feel that, you know, we're in charge and everybody loves us and this, that, and the third, but that's not always the case. Let's, let's just be, you know, real about it. So bringing someone from the outside in, especially someone with an employee engagement background or a grief counseling background, um, you know, things like that, they can really sit down, talk to your staff, get them to share what's going on, give them some actual actionable tools and steps to work through it and then bring the whole team together and then help the team. But until you start help reaching these people on an individual level, just throwing team activities and, and band-aids on it is not going to help whatsoever. Um, personally, I think the picture on the wall memorial thing was a horrible idea because if everyone's grieving her, it may be doing more damage than good to see her on the wall every day knowing she's not there if she was that intricate of a, a part to the office. Um, some people may not have been ready to you know see her yet after the services and everything so i personally think that was a horrible idea um and usually potlucks are celebratory things so you having a potluck and where everybody's talking about someone's passing kind of sounds like the repass after a funeral uh versus a celebration of life um so yeah i i would definitely say you know like I said, reach out to Anthem or whoever is in your area that has career services. Um, access someone like Corey that can travel actually to your company um, and, and get the, get someone to sit down with your staff, reach them on that individual level first. Once they work through those issues, then you can start bringing the team together. But this is something that you're going to have to do sooner than later. I don't know what your budget looks like but you're going to have to find some way to do this. If you don't really have a, a big budget um, for like a whole training team to come in, I would say reach out to your local social services. Um, you know, just about every city has a social service department and they have plenty of community services um, that they offer and provide or your local city hall can probably get you um, in touch with, you know, mental health counselors or grief counselors or employee um trainers that can help you out uh, but this is definitely something that you don't want to throw a band-aid on you don't want to throw uh corporate responses that are usually used for celebrations and morale boosters on something that's affecting your staff this tremendously um this is definitely something that is going to require some sensitivity some empathy and a lot of care to to help your staff work through this uh, because it I mean, you said yourself, she was the glue that held everybody together. Um, just on another note, thinking this is also something for you as a business owner to start thinking of how you move forward in your office. You can't help, you know, whose talents, you know, uh, you put to, you end up hiring, but you never want to have one person that does everything, you know, People may flock to a person because they're easy to talk to and they give great advice. Um, but it sounds like to me, this is more than just a, 
a character thing, like saying that that was the glue that held everybody and now performance is starting to, to, you know, be affected. Make sure you're training multiple people in multiple things so that if one per- one person doesn't stop the show, you know, you can have a person pass away unexpectedly. Someone can be out on maternity leave. Somebody can go out after having a car accident. You just never know what can take any of your staff out of your office at any given time. You never want to be in a position where one person stops the show. Yeah, that's so when you were talking about that, Shannon, that made me think about that. And definitely shoot me a message and I can help you with that. Um, just even if I have to go over and sit down and we have a really like intimate conversation as far as like what who is this person what do they mean to you you know let them get those feelings out and then we can talk about how mm-hmm. to move forward from there but uh as you were talking about um just the the one one person running the show is like what if what if we were sitting down here talking about she just booked a really long vacation would you have gotten the same result you know so yeah. those are things that you have to think about even in passing yes it's sad or whatnot but it sounds like she was doing a lot for your company um, and probably your, that productivity wise is going down because they probably were doing more than you actually thought they were doing or realize I should say. Yeah, man, oh man, I definitely hope that one works out. All right. Uh, so this next one, Rob says, my wife and I own a deli here in Tallahassee. And business has been off and on over the past year as things get, and he put in quotations, back to normal. Um, He said, without giving away free food, what are some incentives we could create to drive customers back in and get new ones as well? Oh, um, so for the deli, I'm thinking uh, I I got real creative in my mind. I'm like, you could definitely do contests with certain stuff, get people involved. Can you... you know, because that's really what those contests are. Can you eat this thing? If not, you got you got mm-hmm. paid for it. Uh, in the midst of that, I'm pretty sure those people are like, "Damn, that tastes pretty good." Um, do you have the the Instagrammable food? Do you have the 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 stuff that it's like, "Hey, I saw this person walking with this sandwich that you made or whatever," and I'm like, "Dang, that looks really good right now." Um, I don't think you have to give food away necessarily. But with food, you always have to get enough people to vouch for you, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's almost kind of going back to that that barber conversation we had. How are you attracting the people to come in, uh, right? What is that model for you to continuously serve these clients and say, hey, I got this food over here, and this is why you should come eat? Um, are you running ads? You could run ads for your sandwiches, for whatever you're serving at the deli, right? Um, but I think those are a couple of things that come to mind just, just from the beginning. But I don't, I don't think you have to mm-hmm. give, give food away. Yeah. So, you know, it, Rob, you're asking about incentives. And one thing you got to understand in business, people love incentives. People love getting something for doing absolutely nothing, <laughs> you know. Um, and like Corey said, there are a lot of ways you can incentivize your customers without giving away free food because you made sure you put that in there. So I'm going to make sure we, we're not giving away food in these answers. So first thing came to my mind is you said you're in Tallahassee and anybody knows anything about Tallahassee knows that that belongs to Florida State University. Have you contacted the college about doing a partnership? That like that is the first thing that came to my mind when I saw Tallahassee. 
are you partnering with the campus, with the football team, the track team, the basketball team, the science department, the cheerleaders, whoever? Uh, how are you networking with that college that pretty much owns that entire city to, to partner? Like any any food business that is in a college town needs to have some signature sandwich, a signature drink, a signature appetizer, something named after something with that school's uh, sports program. That's a guaranteed way to get people in there, especially during football season. Um, find out what it what sandwich you have um, that is the like the go to top selling sandwich. And what you do is, if uh, we'll just say uh, BLT is your top selling sandwich. However, say Wednesday or Thursday are your lowest profit days. You say BLTs are 10% off on whatever your lowest profit days are. Highest selling item, lowest profit day, combine them, boom. You just solve two problems. So think of things like that. Um, you know, you can also, like Corey said, use the power of social media. It takes nothing to sit a phone up and record yourself making some of the more popular sandwiches, some of the more popular salads, some of the more popular appetizers, whatever the case may be, and start, you know, doing Instagram stories or reels with them. Um, definitely, I would say go on TikTok because Lord knows people love watching food on TikTok. Um, use that to help get people in. As your customers are in, you know, and they're sitting down and they're eating and enjoying and laughing and everything. Go around and tell them, hey, I give you 5% or 10% off on your next order if you do a quick, um, you know, clip for me. And just cut your phone on and hit record. Have them talk about how great the sandwich was. The atmosphere was great. They love coming here on Saturdays after the football game or on whatever day after the basketball game. It's the best deli in town. Boom. Give them a little coupon. They can come in next time, get a little bit off. You got a piece of content that you can put on every single social media site, on your website, YouTube, whatever the case may be. And it costs you absolutely nothing but a few bucks off the next time they come in. But guess what? They're going to continue coming in. They're going to continue coming in. Your, your, you know what I call your OG customers, the customers that's been there since day one and they never waver. You definitely want to get video testimonials from them. That's the stuff that you put on social media. Yep. The days that, you know, the line is wrapped around the corner. You definitely want to be recording right. that and using that as content. You know, use all of those things. Have a, you know, like I said, you're, <laughs> you're in Florida State country. It's a huge game and everybody's in line with their Seminole shirts on. Dude, you need to be recording that. <laughs> this is the go-to deli, the go-to sandwich spot before the games, mm -hmm. after the games, during the games. Come and get our signature such and such sandwich Jailgate with a such and such drink to go with it, whatever the case may be. Like, oh my goodness, just sitting on a gold mine being in a ridiculously loyal football and sports town. Mm -hmm. So use that to your advantage. Like I said, go on campus and start networking with the university and see what it is that you can do. Every university that's in a college town, I promise you, they have partnerships with every restaurant that comes to them. Why? Because college kids love to eat. Sports fans love to eat after sitting at a game for two, three hours. And especially at football, you know, they're drinking half the time. So mm -hmm. they need to go and get something to eat after the game. 
use that to your advantage, man. And, and even, your business will be, you know, right back where it was before the pandemic slowed things down. Yeah, I was going to say, Shannon, you hit the nail on the head with the football thing. I mean, if you really think about it, with Florida State's there, their their stadium probably packs like 80 90 000 people inside of that so think about the people who aren't like your regulars but they're coming to the football game how do i get in front of those people to say like hey man when you in tallahassee you got to go there for the football game or you gotta you know you this is the spot you want to check out you know after the game or during the game or hey i know you're just tailgating let us take care of that tailgate for you that way you don't have to worry about packing all this stuff how many people would you really get? Because I could almost bet at least a third of that stadium is going to be somebody from a different state. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you, you create a tailgate special A hey, for $200. You get X amount of sandwiches, 50 mm -hmm. bags of chips and, and potato salad and blah, 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 blah. Right. Dude, you, like you are sitting on a gold mine. Just let your brain go a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> let your brain go a little bit nothing is too outrageous when you're in a sports town i promise you and you don't have to give away food <laughs> you don't have to give away food exactly all right so let's get to this last one as we start to wrap up uh so chelsea says after three profitable years i'm now ready to hire staff i've never had to do this before and i'm confused because there are so many hiring websites out there where do I begin? Well, um, so that would be. I wish you would have said what kind of business uh, she had, um, but mm. I, I mean, it depends. That's going to be a bad answer. It depends on, on what the business is, right? Where do you need to find the talent at? Um, or do yeah. you run a pedi pediatrics clinic, or do you run a do you run a deli? That's two, you know, two different skill sets that I might be able to find different types of people for. Um, I mm -hmm. definitely would probably start to because I, in my opinion, I think that uh, you can go on the hiring sites and all that other stuff, and you're gonna find very fluffy resumes and all that, all that stuff. And who knows whether those resumes are actually true or not? That's also a different story for a different day. Um, but start mm -hmm. to try to figure out if you can get into spaces where people do the thing that you need. I'll give you an example. If you run a restaurant and you need to hire chefs, can I look at culinary schools? Can I look at um, other restaurants that maybe you had conversations with and they say, hey, you know what? This is an up and coming sous chef or something like that. They're probably ready to take on the next role. Come on over to my restaurant now. Um, a lot of conversations can be had in regard to hiring. And I think personally, you'll start to hear those people vouch for them. No, I get it. It's hard. You got to pound the pavement a little bit more. Uh, but I think you can definitely start there. Uh, get the conversations going. Find real people. Get in front of real people to hire uh, for the thing that you need. I wish I knew the business uh, that you had so I could help you more. But I mean, outside of that, it if it's if it's like a, let's say, non-skilled job, maybe you go to the temp agencies right i know sometimes temp agencies get bad raps but maybe they have people who are like hey this is the highest people on my client list you know uh i, I will say this though shannon i i would need to know a little bit more as far as like is it going to be skilled labor unskilled labor is it going to be something that you need to trade for is it going to be you know a professional degree that's necessary uh because you can go so many different routes with that yeah 
Um, I, I definitely agree with you. It would have been a little easier if Chelsea would have given us a little more uh, detail on the type of business. But Chelsea, I'll say this. Um, a lot of the hiring websites are not all that they're cracked up to be. Um, a lot of companies waste a lot of money with a lot of them. So I would say if you're at the point where you're ready to hire staff, first and foremost, before you look at anybody's website, before you place an ad in the paper, before you do anything, sit down and really map out what it is you need. What can you, you said your company has been profitable for three years now. What can your budget allow you to pay for? How many full time staff can you actually afford? How many part time staff can you actually afford? Do you need to scrap full-time and part-time staff and just get contract staff on an as-needed basis? What is it that you're looking to take off of your plate and put on someone else's plate? And then does that person need to be here all day, full-time, half the time, or as-needed? That's where you need to start before you do any of this. Because based on how many full-time, part-time, or contract staff you need, then that'll help you help funnel your uh, your focus and your attention on where you need to go to find these people. Um, if you need a bunch of full time people, you're not going to look in the same space that you would for contract people. Um, so I would say that would be my best advice based off of what you gave us. Um, sit down, map out exactly what it is that you need, how often you're going to need them. If you can afford them for the time that you think you're going to need them. And then where do you go and find those people? Uh, because a lot of people make the mistake of saying, OK, I've made half a million dollars. I think I'm ready to get full time staff. Now you go hire 10 people and you're only looking at the salary and you're not thinking about benefits and insurance. And when you add all that in now, all of a sudden you got to let seven people go and because you, you can only afford three. There's a whole lot that that is encompassed with hiring full time staff. That's why I said, look at your funds. And look at what you bring in on a monthly basis and on a yearly basis. Um, I would even say consult with a financial, um, you know, manager, and have the or financial advisor rather, and have them go over expenses that come up with having staff. And they can look at your books and let you know, okay, you're on the right track. Or actually, you want five full-time staff, but you probably need to make this two part-time staff and one or two contractors. Um, so I would say start there before you just jump to posting on Indeed or uh, whatever, you know, Glassdoor, some of these other um, websites. And then next thing you know, you're getting bombarded with a million applications and nothing to do with them. Yeah. Or you're hiring the wrong people and then you're looking at having to let people go that you just hired. Yeah. And and please, please, please map out what these people will be doing um so shannon talk to y'all about figuring out what it is that you need them for you need to figure out what what it is that they will be doing meaning when they get into the role what are what are the procedures for the things that you need them to do that way they have expectations they have guidelines because what happens sometimes is or a lot of times is people say i'm ready to hire they hire the person they come in and they say oh my god this person is not doing what i need them to do do they even know what you need them to do? If you mm -hmm. say, hey, I want you to be my social media manager and you say, I can't believe this person only posts once a day. Do they even know the expectation of how many times to post? Do they understand what types of content to post on what certain on certain days? If you hire if you hire a 
salesperson for your um for your business do they understand the wall the the, the framework that they can work within right do they mm -hmm. understand that hey when i sell a particular item this is the lowest that i can go but this is where i need to start this is how you want to negotiate through those deals that type of stuff because what will happen is you will hire somebody and then you will get upset or frustrated and say they're not doing what i hired them to do but they don't know what to do yeah yeah most definitely um you know and chelsea as always as we you know tell everybody when we do these type of episodes you know you can always reach out to one of us on social media as well um and if it's something that's in our wheelhouse we'll be more than glad to help you if not we have a ridiculous network of people that we can get you you know pointed in the right direction but don't just get overwhelmed and, and make a lot of bad decisions because you feel like you, you just have to do something you definitely want to map this out when you start taking on staff um, as you all have heard me say on this podcast several times when you take on staff you have to understand you are now responsible for someone else's ability to pay their bills and put food on the table that is not something to take lightly when you start taking on staff. So you have to make sure you do that correctly. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the part of the show where I give you this week's mind shift moment. Um, and, you know, and talking about business and entrepreneurship and, you know, keeping motivated and, and getting, you know, on the right sheet of music to have your business profitable and productive. Um, it reminded me of a quote that I, I thought about. Um, and I want to share it says a bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because the trust is not in the branch, but in its own ability to fly. Believe in yourself. Um, you know, you have to tap into your own greatness, uh, unlock your potential, shift into your higher level of brilliance and conquer each day. We are all talented, unique, intelligent and skilled, but the world would never know how special you are if you don't recognize it yourself. Every single day, you should be acknowledging I was, I am, and I still have time to be. And that is this week's mind shift moment. You have to continue to believe in yourself. Entrepreneurship is not easy. It is not, you know, as glamorous as Instagram and Facebook and TikTok make it seem. It is hard work. It is a daily decision every single day to grind it out. Good days, bad days, profitable days, non-profitable days. Um, you cannot wear your heart on your sleeve. There will be some good days. There will be some bad days. Uh, it, success does not happen overnight when you start your own company. Uh, for some, there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road. For some, they're in a pretty good position where they can hire the, the uh, what's it, coaches and consultants around them to help that transition be a lot smoother and a lot easier. Uh, but no matter what it is that you have to encounter, don't quit and keep on going. If you truly believe in your business and your product and your service, you keep fighting, you keep pushing until your company makes it to the top. All right, my brother, you want to let them know where they can find you out there on the internet and on social media before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at CoreySigu.com is my website. Uh, and then y'all, please just go to go to the YouTube, uh, type in Corey Sigu, subscribe, watch the videos, like them. Uh, you can find me every Monday on the Successes Within Reach uh, Facebook group, uh, dropping my average mindset Monday video. Uh, so definitely go check me out. All right. And once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at the underscore CEO. 
underscore within. Uh, you can contact my company for your business consulting needs, The CEO Within You, at www.theceowithinyou.com. Um, and what it is that I do, uh, particularly for your business, I provide innovative solutions to emerging businesses focusing on leadership, operation, operational efficiency, and branding. Um, and as always, on Thursdays, you can catch me here on the Successes Within Reach podcast, where I remind you that you were not designed to be good. You were designed to be great. And with that, we stay, stay safe out there. and We'll see you next week.